mo, 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 me, me, me. It's almost the weekend. <laughs> I like the vocal warm-ups at the start. I, I don't do vocal warm-ups, but I know people, like singers and stuff, who do. Oh, yeah, I mean, that was that was just the vocal warm-up they do in Fire Emblem Three Houses. I don't. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know if that's like a, a real-to-life vocal warm-up. <laughs> Um, oh, yeah, I have no idea. I think, like, when I used to record singers in the studio and stuff, their warm-ups were, like, a lot more hectic and loud <laughs> than yeah, what I just I, did. I, I remember ones like, my dog has fleas, hundreds and hundreds of fleas, and you're supposed to, like, do the scale or whatever. <laughs> I'm sure I just slotted that. No, it was 100% accurate. I have perfect pitch, don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Imagine <laughs> if you actually just did have perfect pitch and, you know, didn't <laughs> hadn't shown anyone that you had it. Oh, my God. I've certainly showed people that I don't have it. Um, yeah. But I have I have fantasized about having perfect pitch um, because I really love Bill Bailey and he has perfect mm. pitch. And it's just so interesting hearing him talk about the sounds in the world. Like, he would hear a vacuum cleaner and be like, that's B-flat. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. That's so cool. Oh, so awesome. Yeah. Um, anyway, how you been, dude? I've been good, man. It's been um, Games Week this week. Uh, oh, you so... mentioned that. Yeah, yeah. It's been a pretty hectic week for, like, parties and just general shenanigans going on. Um, cool. There was a Sony party on, like, Tuesday or something like that that pretty much just wiped half my team, or pretty much all my team out at work. <laughs> They all, it was like a, a, let me just say it was an extremely large bar tab and that I, I didn't go to, I didn't get, I managed, didn't manage to get in, in right. the event, unfortunately, but, um, it was one of those, like, you've got a studio of 10, you can only bring six sort of events, which is, I hate that shit. Yeah. That's, uh, um, that's some Hunger Games shit right there. Yeah. It's bullshit. That's like, that's one of the really awful things about Games Week is it's like all the quote unquote exclusive parties. It's just like, mm. shut up, man. Just... I don't care if you have to pay for a ticket. If it's, like, cheap, just let people buy tickets if anyone wants to come. Don't make it, like, invite any... Yeah. I mean, I get that there's, like, you know, publishers or whatever. I, whatever, man. I just... FOMO's awful. FOMO's awful. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, it's, it's games week, but it's also FOMO week. And so, um, <laughs> yeah, anyway, my, half my team got wiped out just by drinking so much. It's extremely lavish, like, anything you want bar tab um, event. God. And that so, does sound yeah. like a lot of fun, especially yeah. at Sony's expense. That would just yep. kind of motivate me to drink even more. <laughs> yeah, dude, it was like, I think there was like uh, over like 200 people there and they only got one third of the way through the bar tab, if that gives you any idea about how much. Good tab. Lord, they're really uh, oiling you up. They really were. Yeah. And that, that's a whole other thing as well. Games week, alcohol consumption is like, I don't know, a topic for another time. Mm -hmm. um so but yeah i went to parallels on uh thursday night yeah yeah thursday night uh which is like a an event put on by a group called free play and they're like an indie gaming um sort of advocacy group that that uh sort of look after and promote and facilitate indie game stuff made in melbourne oh cool yeah and so parallels is just like a chance for some of the the, the bigger indie, or not the bigger even, it's, there's heaps of small guys there too, but just a chance for some of the indie gamers across Melbourne and across Australia as well to come and show their indie games off and talk about them a little bit. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah, got to see some cool indie games. Um, Hell yeah. And then there was an after party as well put on by Massive Monster, which is the um, 
uh, Cult of the Lamb team. Oh, no so, shit. Oh, man, yeah. that would have felt so nice. Like, after all their work and they've just seen so much success and they can, yeah, yeah. you know... I mean, we've seen a couple of Australian teams, you know, knock it out of the park, but it's really cool that, you know, they've had recent success and then it's Games Week. Like, that must feel really nice for them. Yeah, there's a, there's a great atmosphere for, you know, all the, the incredible success that they've had. And mm. I saw Julian, who, like, I knew before Cult of the Lamb was Cult of the Lamb. And um, I was like, hey, man, congrats on everything. And he was like, oh, yeah, uh, don't worry about it. I'm like, <laughs> that's classic. <laughs> he just was, like, completely unchanged. He didn't really seem to care that it was, like, a, you know, huge, massive success. Oh, uh, good for him. <laughs> uh, it's, it's very good. But then he had to, like, jet off, and I never spoke to him again. So, yeah. Uh. Classic big, big celebrity boy putting on a big party. <laughs> oh, cool. Um, so, yeah, and then tonight there's another party I'm going to, and then on Sunday night there's another party I'm going to. So, you know, oh, the the final one's called Megadev, and it's like, it's it's kind of like, uh, it's I think it's one of the only, like, open invite parties, um, and it's just every tired game dev <laughs> in Melbourne <laughs> comes together to uh just, like be tired together for the night yeah. it's pretty good i i feel like y'all are gonna be especially jaded after a full week of just socializing yeah it's, <laughs> it's always the most cooked event it's it, i really like it for that it's just so like there's a barbecue and uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> lots of gravelly like, like voices yeah gravelly voices really tight like some people are like exhibiting at pax which is something i've done before you do like the full three days with the game and you show it up to people and it's mm -hmm. like one of the most exhausting things you can do right um and yeah i'm sure there'll be a bunch of those those folks around just like with the thousand yard stare or whatever they call it <laughs> yeah 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 anyway so that's games week um Hell yeah, it's, yeah. Been, it's, it's been a time it's been a time Love to hear it. Yeah, you've been playing any games this week, dude? Uh yeah. I've um yeah. I've finished up my second playthrough of Zelda. And Oh hell yeah. You know what? Let's let's talk Breath of the Wild. We're yes. just uh we're just gonna take this, we're gonna be super relaxed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll try and keep and focus. Uh, I'll ke I'll keep this as focused as I can because I uh -huh. I, ju I just feel like I could rant endlessly about this game. Okay. Um, I only stopped playing because I had to eat or sleep, you know, like wow, I, I, I never stopped playing. So I was like, oh, that's enough for today. Um, yeah. and few games have had this effect on me. Yeah. Um, so I'll just talk about the base game. The DLC is good and all that, but that's another rant for another time. Um, <laughs> Holy shit. all right. All right. So I got three things that I want to talk about, um, because this game absolutely crushed um, when it, when it came to these things. And I also right. want to, I, I will round things off with some criticism. Um, okay. but honestly, the, the good far outweighs the bad in uh, right. like a remarkable way. So thing number one, pure video game magic. I don't know what else to call it. Hopefully when I explain <laughs> it, that'll make sense. This is, you know, episode 27, the unknowable phrase, video game magic. is just like, <laughs> yeah. you, can't, you just have to explain what it is every single time. It doesn't mean anything. It's exactly. Just, but it, it's yeah. just kind of this like blanket term for when I can't think of anything more specific to describe what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, good. I'm, I think that's got to be the, the definition for it, right? Like we can't stumble across the ideal definition. We just have to start calling this unknowable thing. Exactly. 
undefinable thing video game magic I like <laughs> um so that's thing number one thing number two the game design again that's kind of lame but hopefully when i explain it it'll it'll make sense and then thing right. number thing number three is is player agency or the freedom um, okay. because they did that really well. So let's let's talk about the magic first. Um, and I guess fair warning for spoilers, because a lot of my enjoyment came from me not knowing what I'm about to dissect. Um, right, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of stuff I still haven't discovered, but this is the stuff that made me fall in love. Okay. Um, so the first thing was the art style and the lighting. This game... Lighting looks good all the time um and so each minute in real time represents an in-game hour so you get your full day night cycle every 24 minutes yeah right you throw in your weather system and the world feels so alive and like running around and hearing your footsteps while your weapons clink against your back it's fucking delicious and and to add like further depth to this fuck yeah sandwich you've got the soundtrack and, mm-hmm. and, and man, for me, like the music in this game is beautiful. They showed so much restraint when they put it together. Um, so many moments gave me like goosebumps just because of some well-placed piano notes. Uh, like every area has a motif, some more complex than others. Uh, and there are just some situations they've crafted that are destined to put a grin on your face. You know, like the first time you ride a horse and this tasty tune starts up and then <laughs> and then you ride a horse at night and it's the same chord progression, but it's in a minor key. Oh, um, hell yeah. Oh, it's just, there's a lot of like attention to detail um, with the music and it just like, it surprised me over and over again. Um, you know, and there's lots of different types of combat music. Every mini boss has their own soundtrack. Um, all the towns have their own soundtrack. Um, some unique enemies even get like a motif when they start targeting you. It's just sick. And, and there's like this huge feeling of, I wonder what's around the corner and the music mm. absolutely adds to that. Mm. Um, and so the art direction where the system and the soundtrack, like it all creates this backdrop for the magic to happen. Everything, yeah. everything you do in this game feels like it was curated just for you. And it feels amazing. Um, like when I think back on some of the experiences, it feels like I'm remembering memories from my actual life. Like yeah. this one time, right? I got to the bottom of a mountain that I had seen in the distance and I was like all geared up to climb it and it started to rain and the rain stops you from being able to climb, which is, like, really cool. Oh, uh, right, I, yeah. I, I love that, like, the weather will actually kind of um, stop you from doing certain things. Yeah. And, anyway, it's raining really hard. Then I get these, like, you know, delicate piano notes that signal <laughs> night nightfall. Yeah. Um, and, and during the night, like, skeletons can rise from the ground. And so these skeletons pop out. And it starts, like, storming. There's, like, bolts of lightning lashing out at nearby trees. Um, there, like, a fire starts. And you can, like, use the updraft from fires to, like, um, yeah, yeah. you know, fly up into the air. And, like, I, f- I fly up into the air and shoot all these dudes with my bow and arrow. 
um, I land on the ground and like they're all dead again and like the music fades away and it's just like me and the rain and I was just like, oh my fucking God. Like it just, it just felt like one of hundreds of moments that just made me want to praise the sun. Um, it just felt like there were so many moments like that. Like the first time a Hinox, which is like this big giant type creature, um, used its hand to cover its eye. So I couldn't shoot its eye with arrows. Oh yeah. 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 Um, the first time I realized lightning was attracted to metal weapons and I (laughs) I, I could like trick the enemies into wielding my metal weapons during a thunderstorm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, shocked up. Yeah, they get fucking struck by lightning. Um, <laughs> dude, I'm talking like I, I'm getting gooch deep satisfaction when I get to the top of a snowy mountain. You know, like you've got to prepare with like clothes or you've got to cook food that helps you survive the cold. Mm. Um, yeah, man, there's just so much here. And like a big part of it for me was like the puzzles. Um I felt like I I was solving puzzles using techniques that made me feel like I came up with some original method. Yeah, um, right. But the, it, like it just makes you feel like a genius. And I you know, I I played through twice and like I tried to solve puzzles in um different ways each time and you just had like the ability to do that. And and from watching like Phoebe play her own save um, we rarely shared the same method, you know, it, it just, yeah, there's just so much magic here. And I think a lot of it is, um, is because of like the, the simplicity in the game design. Um, so thing number two, the <laughs> game design. Um, okay. So I think we talk about elegance and grace when it comes to game design quite a bit on this podcast. Yeah. And, bro, let me tell you, this game is more graceful than a swan making love to melted chocolate. You feel me? Like, it's sparse, but it's <laughs> purposeful. And yeah. and there's, like, a simplicity here that reminded me of The Last of Us. I think I said that before. And, mm. and, we, and we've talked about how the gameplay loop of scrounging combat and story is, like, David Bowie good in The Last of Us. And yeah, yeah. I feel like they took that concept and turned it up to 11 in Breath of the Wild. So, like, yeah, right. from the very start, right, you're introduced to this rich environment and all these towers and shrines sprout out of the ground and, like, the shrines and stuff were built by an ancient civilization, so they have this eerie orange glow. Um, it makes points of interest really easy to see. Uh, mm-hmm. The architecture stands out in the world and you have to actively look for it. You know, when you climb a tower and fill in a bit of a map, like you fill in the map a little bit, um, you don't get any icons. Like you get a few place names and you're able to see the contours of the land. Yeah. Um, and it's just like when you use the map, you're actually using it as a map, you know, kind of like in Hollow Knight. Um, and so when you're out in the world and someone mentions a place name, like I'm opening the map to look for the place name and <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. it's just so satisfying. Um, Were there um, settings that you had like HUD off and stuff that you would recommend or that you, you know, that you thought really made the experience for you when it comes to that kind of thing? Definitely. Like, I think, I think there is a quest system that has markers and stuff, but I couldn't tell you because I wasn't forced to engage with it. So like right. for me, I turned off the mini map 
Um, yep. And so the only thing on the screen um, is the hearts in the corner and, yep. like, the stamina bar if you're using something that needs stamina. Yeah, um, right. Actually, let's talk about stamina real quick because it's implemented yeah, okay. super well. Um, so, like, climbing, gliding, and swimming use stamina and it just it plays a big part um, in how you interact with the world outside of combat. Um, yep. And they kind of built it from the ground up um, you know, like doing something like escaping from combat, like if you try and escape from combat in Dark Souls, like you just run into walls or dead ends and you're basically fucked, um, which is fine because like Dark Souls is grueling and that's the vibe and like it works well there. Um, but because I feel like the, um, I don't know, the spotlight is on like fun rather than challenge in this game, you can just because you can climb everything and like the stamina system is implemented really well, it feels really easy to escape and it just feels like you've got options all the time. The other thing is like your stamina is shown in the middle of the screen and that's just some chef's kiss shit right there, brother. <laughs> like you can easily take in everything on the screen when the thing you need to pay attention to is right in the middle yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. That seems like now that I've played Breath of the Wild, I'm like, why don't more games do that? Because it never got in the way. Yeah. Um, but in saying that, like dodging and swinging your sword doesn't use stamina. Yeah. Um, which is like cool, but again, it just kind of like goes back to that thing where like the combat is fun rather than challenging. Yeah, yeah. Oh, bro. Do you think? A so, game like Dark Souls or um, Bloodborne or whatever, like those Souls games that rely on stamina as like a core mechanic, basically, should be thinking about changing where their stamina bar goes on the screen? Um, I mean, I think it would be interesting to see what that would be like because yeah. there's obviously a lot of stress on like move sets of enemies in those games and like mm. paying attention. So if something were to get in the way, that would definitely be super frustrating. Mm, um, right, yeah. but, but the way the stamina bar is tucked away in the corner of the screen in those games, but you're really trying to pay attention to basically everywhere else. Um, it just made me think like, oh man, is like, are we missing something? Because it's definitely like a standard, right? Just to have the stamina yeah. bar up in the corner, like yeah, yeah, in most games, in in basically every game except Breath of the Wild. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, I remember um, Shadow of the Colossus had a similar thing. Oh, oh yeah. maybe um, I'm I'm struggling. Like I started that sentence, I was like, I, I seem to remember something being different, but I can't like, place visually where they had stamina in that game. Right, right. Might have been under the player. I, I can't remember, but yeah, that, that, that was another climby, you know, run out of stamina on the mid-climb and mm. have to, like, catch yourself on the way down as your stamina regen. It was more like a grip meter, I guess. Right. Yeah, you know, I, I watched you play a bit of Shadow of the Colossus, but I've never mm. played it myself. I'm kind of keen. I hear a lot of people, you know, have that as one of their favourites. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, go, go on. Uh, anyway, back to interacting with the world. Yeah. So, like, you have to use your eyes to, to deconstruct the environment and determine where to go. Oh, bro, this rant is off. We're going. We're going. <laughs> um, all right. So, so, the theme of using your intuition stays consistent throughout the whole game. Mm -hmm. um, like, they slowly introduce concepts and systems. And every time I was blown away with how easy everything felt to understand... Like, 
Remember when you talked about finding the um, Abyss Dash in Hollow Knight? I can't remember what it's called. Dark Dash? Something like that. Yeah. Anyway, they designed the level to teach you how it works without slapping yeah. you with text boxes. Yep. And, and man, that's this whole fucking game. Like, I've, I've been watching Phoebe play, and when she did that opening segment, like, I could not believe how much they teach you in such a short period of time. And it was, mm. like, the opposite experience to Elden Ring, right? Yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> they, they basically create this giant playground, and they're just like, go, be free. Yeah. Um, and I guess we'll just segue into thing number three, which is the freedom. Mm. Um. Or the, or the exploration. And, like, I, you know, speaking of Elden Ring, I think Elden Ring did do a pretty damn good job um, with the exploration in that game. But even so, it still feels pretty rare to come across a game that captures lightning in a bottle, like, again and again. Um, yeah. And I think, like, the unadulterated freedom you have here is just, like, top-notch. Um, like exploration is king, but all those design choices that I just talked about reinforce this feeling that you can go anywhere and do anything and like everything else, it's consistent across all the gameplay pillars. There you go. Gameplay pillars. I'm a game dev. Uh, (laughs) using the lingo, the buzzwords, baby. Uh, so there's like a basic story here and you actually get to choose whether you engage with it or not. Um, like, they remove that narrative dissonance inherently found in open-world games. They're like, Zelda is fighting Ganon over there. She's been at it for, like, a hundred years. You could mm. go straight to her, but right, why not regain some of your former strength? Yeah, um, yeah. And, like, you know, even that does remove some of the urgency in your quest. Um, but, yeah. it, but it gives you options in, in a way that didn't break immersion for me. Um, and, like, you know, the first time I played, you bet your sweaty fontaine brow i went straight to ganon like <laughs> oh yeah you did oh 100 percent. like i loved that the game let you go and get your ass kicked if you wanted yeah, to yeah um did you make it into the castle or did you get killed by guardians on the way in oh i got destroyed by guardians um yeah. but but what's great is like you know kind of like the FromSoft games like while i was weak i i didn't get destroyed because i was weak i got destroyed because i wasn't knowledgeable about the systems and like how everything worked and like revisiting that place on the second playthrough was like a cakewalk um and i really love games that kind of reward you for like remembering things um yeah and that sounds kind of basic now that i say it out loud but still like the fromsoft games are really good examples of that um and also, we keep, like, mentioning how we prefer shorter games. Mm. And, like, bro, scrape your gamer tongue against some <laughs> numbing silicon lube because this is where it's at. Like, main story is seven to eight hours max if you're garbage yep. at puzzles. Um, yep. But, like, it will feel... I mean, at least for me, it felt impossible to just do the main story because the whole, yeah. the whole world is so full and inviting. And, yep. like... It's very hard to ignore that green light up in the mountains that only appears yeah. some nights. Like, what's going yes, on up yeah. there? You yeah. know? And it's just like, because of all the shit I've already talked about, you literally just run at that green light. Like, that's how you get there. And it's yeah. very rewarding. Um, but, like, still sticking to freedom, like, aside from the story beats, they do a great job with, like, giving you incentives to go out and explore. 
um, the the I think the main incentive is the orbs, and and these orbs, Joe, like if they don't tickle me pink and cast me into the foul fires of Mount Doom. Uh, <laughs> wait, is is Mount Doom the Lord of the Rings one or the Zelda one? Wait, uh, are they both Mount Doom? They're both Mount Doom, yeah. Oh my god, I never realized that. I anyway, think they're both Mount Doom, right? Yeah, Mount Doom. Yeah, go on. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, so the orbs act as this currency, and it gives you agency to scale the difficulty of your experience. So, the you can use the orbs to increase the amount of hearts you have or the amount of stamina you have. And, uh, yeah, that's right. That's cool. And so, and so you're able to choose like whether you want combat. Uh, or traversal to be easier and that's yeah, like i don't know serious. man right like that's that's the very meaning of grace when it comes to game design and freedom yeah um yeah. it really reminded me of kindling bonfires in dark souls like oh yeah who the fuck knows why they did away with that feature in later entries because it's such a good way for the player to be like um i'm finding this aspect or this section of the game hard so i'm gonna spend some resources to make it easier like that's so good. <laughs> like, yeah. it kind of feels really basic, but it's just really effective as well. Um, yeah. And kind of speaking to difficulty, um, especially in open world games, I feel like Breath of the Wild solves that problem as well. Um, yeah. So, like, the world levels up around you as you progress, um, and it means you aren't really going to be locked out of areas. Like there's not going to be monsters that are too difficult to defeat. Um, but like I said before, even if you did find yourself in a situation where you get overwhelmed, there's just so many options to get out of dodge because of the traversal. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, the world leveling up presents really clearly, like rather than all the enemies slowly getting more health and doing more damage, um, different colored versions of monsters start to appear. Um, right. and like the higher level versions have better AI as well as more health and doing damage. And right. I, don't, I don't know, it just feels really smart. Um, but it kind of does fall a bit flat with the main story bosses. Um, for some reason they don't appear to level up. And so, oh, right. and so those bosses kind of always felt a bit underpowered, no matter what order I did them in. Yeah. Um, but I guess that's just Nintendo wanting to make the main story easy to blast through. Yeah, um, maybe. Yeah, like, I'm not too sure on that, to be honest. Um, but still, they do provide, like, combat challenges for you to find out in the world. Uh, you can go and find these centaurs called Lynels. Oh, uh, yeah, like, I found a few of those. Yeah, they're, they're, they're really cool to fight. They're, like, much harder than any of the bosses in the game, even Ganon. Yeah. Um, and they have, like, variations in colours, just like the other monsters, but... They've also got, um, like, a large variety of different weapons they can wield and, like, different special moves they can use. So, like, there is a combat-based a combat -based challenge for players that want it, um, yep. which is, like, really cool and, you know, just also feeds into that freedom thing where it's, like, you know, there is some tough uh, baddies out there if you want to take them on. And, like, you know, like the Kanehurst Castle thing in Bloodborne, like, they don't always make it super noticeable um yeah. like in my second playthrough i found out the desert is way bigger than i originally thought it was and like there are these giant sand beasts out there that i completely yeah. missed and dude 
they fucking rule like you've got to catch these desert seals and like you use your shield to wakeboard behind them and <laughs> and you basically fight sand jaws like yep. it's fucking awesome but like ultimately um you're freed up to like tackle it however you want um when it comes to like the game as a whole you know you can like focus on combat and search out tough enemies or you can ignore traversal and stick to using horses on main roads you can yep. ignore the story and go straight to ganon like oh man it's just like a remarkable example of what true player agency looks like um oh my god i just looked at the time okay so it's bef- fine it's fine keep going keep right, going no, you're right we're super relaxed it's chill yeah. it's a good time um by the way uh it's it's not mount doom it is um death mountain death mountain that's the zelda one you're totally right yes um, and also the um sandworm music is one of the coolest things ever the way it progresses and oh, like the, the way like as it loses health the music changes it's just incredible dude 100% and and it's just like when I found it in my second playthrough and like a whole new soundtrack started up I was like I can't believe I missed this you know it's just (laughs) so enjoyable um all right so just quickly even though we've gone on for a million years uh but (laughs) before we get to the criticisms I just want to gush over some of the smaller details cool so like characters are great not like the things they say or the things they do, but their designs are fantastic. Like mm. really, really cool. I've always loved like the wacky um, Zelda style designs that they kind of lean into since the very beginning. Yeah. Um, the animations are charming as hell. Um, and there are animations for everything in this game. Like if you aren't facing the front of a chest when you open it, you do like a little kick animation but if, oh, you, right. if you aren't wearing boots when you kick the chest, Link grabs his foot like it hurts. And, oh, no way. I oh, didn't do that. <laughs> oh, dude, there's just so many things like that in this game. Ugh. And every time I'm like, oh, my God, it's so charming and cute. <laughs> um, what and else? And lunch passes by and then dinner passes by. <laughs> <laughs> and you kick the chest with a different boot and saw a new animation. <laughs> oh, dude, that was totally what it's like. Um, <laughs> man, shield surfing is fun as hell. Like I mentioned those sand yeah. seals before, but you can just do it down any hill, really. Like snowy, yep. grassy, you can just fucking surf that shit. Um, catching and breaking in horses is really fun. Um, cooking is very satisfying. Uh, also the collectibles. I feel like we should talk about them. They're perfection mm. in this game. Perfection, Joe. Um, so the only collectible is the humble Korok seed. Um, and you usually need to like solve a puzzle that takes anywhere from say one to 30 seconds. Um, and there are 900 of these bad boys. (laughs) Have you found them all? Dude. Whoa. No. Whoa. Are you in? No. (laughs) (laughs) So, so like, I mean, there are nine, (laughs) there are 900. So insulted. What do you think I am? Some kind of freak? <laughs> no, no judgment. Like, if you're a completionist, all the power to you. But for me, I thought it was really good design, um, especially for an open world, because there's no reason to collect them all, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, if I came across a Korok seed that wasn't immediately fun or easy to solve, I just left it. Like, yeah. there are 899 more to find. Um, yeah. 
And that's kind of the attitude I took when I played. Like, if what a, if whatever I wasn't doing, uh, like, if it wasn't fun, I just mm. bailed. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, it just meant, like, across two playthroughs, I was just having an endlessly good time. Yeah, wow. That's awesome, dude. Um, all right. So, there is room for improvement, though. Um, Here we go. <laughs> I'm ready. It's it's not a perfect game, but it's pretty bloody close. And and you do have to get into the weeds a little bit to fully uncover what needs fixing. But what else is this podcast for? Um, <laughs> this is the weeds podcast. Yeah, this is the weeds podcast. Um, all right. So the control scheme is abhorrent. It's disgusting. The game uses every button on your controller and it changes them up for no reason at all. I actually, I've, I've written this down because I wouldn't have been able to remember it. So basically, when you're running around as Link, X is the sprint button. When you're on a horse, A is the sprint button. When you're in the water, B is the sprint button. Oh, and it's, it's just like, what is wrong with you? Like, yeah. did no one oversee the controller mapping aspect of this game? Yeah. Like, yeah. and, and the... Change it. No, oh, bro. Okay, so that's that's another thing that um, is probably worth mentioning. The accessibility options are also horrendous. I mean, they're basically yeah, just non-existent. You know, yeah. like they don't. The, I think they let you swap the jump button and the sprint button, um, mm. which is definitely worth your time. But like that, that's kind of it. Um, which which definitely uh, sucks because it is like a really complicated controller scheme. Um, but like the, the problem here isn't that you need to remember this, that the sprint button changes when you're doing different things, right? It's that when you move from say running, uh, around to riding a horse, the sprint button changes, but now the old sprint button is jump off the horse. And it's oh, just, right. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's I just, seem to remember doing that a lot. Yeah, dude. It just felt really dumb. Um, I remember like Red Dead 2 had a similar thing where like the controls were incoherent and like heaps of people would end up like punching their horse on accident because there was like, like <laughs> just didn't know the buttons to get on the horse. Oh my God. <laughs> That's yeah. hilarious. It's um, a curse with games that have horses in them. They just need to have like ridiculous controls. Yeah. So bizarre. I don't, mm. I don't know why they kept changing the sprint button around like that. Um, anyway, moving on. Um, the combat system needs a little polish. It does a lot of things right, but just with a few tweaks, it would be legendary. Um, and that honestly surprised me, you know, I got a lot out of the combat in this game. Mm. Um, but basically the first thing it fucks up is not having a dedicated lock on button that, I mean, that's just demented for, for any game made after, I don't know, 2009. Like, oh, right. how does it lock on? So, it so left trigger is raise your shield and oh. lock on. Um, and, but holding left trigger also activates the contextual, um, controls to dodge and parry, but only if you're not holding a bow. So (laughs) I I know, I know. Just bear with me though. Well, like I said, you got to get in the weeds, but it is demented. Like if you're holding a bow, left trigger is lock on, but you can't dodge. Like, why? Why on earth right. did they not... Is the button... What, what does the button do? It, it, like, so if you're holding a bow and you lock on, if you pull back and jump, you do, like, a backflip, 
And if, oh, right. if you do like a backflip at the right time, um, it, it basically acts as a parry. Like it's kind of like a last second dodge and then you right. get a couple of hits on the, on the monster. Um, but if you're holding a bow, you just do like a tiny backwards jump and like you, you don't activate like the parry thing and like you don't jump enough to be able to dodge anything. So yeah. like, I guess every bow just gives Link amnesia and he forgets how to job, uh, <laughs> how to dodge rather. Um, mm. and so, yeah, I don't know. It just felt pedantic and like the contextual controller mapping, um, made everything feel really finicky until you mm. kind of figure things out. Um, yeah, it just like, especially in the first kind of 20 hours of the game where you're figuring out the control scheme, cause it's so complex, just, I don't know. I, I thought it was pretty trash. Um, and like the second thing with the combat and another thing <sighs> is, uh, and this is kind of like a personal gripe, but not having a real time heal option. Um, so, oh, right. so like you've got your whole cooking system, which is fantastic, right? But to access any of the food, you've got to pause the game and access a menu. Yeah. And like, for me, this takes away meaningful decision-making in the moment, you know, mm. like I feel like choosing the right time to heal in games with good combat really adds to the flow of fights. Um, and like, you know, again, I get that this game has like a real kind of, um, priority for fun, but there's no limit on how much food you can eat. So like yeah, yeah. when you get whacked by an enemy, you can literally eat 20 steaks as you're flying through the air. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and like to, to play devil's advocate, like Phoebe loves the healing system because it allows her to like stop and think. Um, yeah, yeah. which again is cool. And like, there's, there's some complexity to the food you eat, um, because you know, it can grant you special statuses and like, you know, maybe you don't want a button that just eats anything. Um, because you know, you don't want to eat all the food that gives you a cold bonus. Right. Um, right. You should be able to put like items in a quick menu though, and have that, you know, deplete right. as you use them. Like just like put all apples in the quick menu button and heal during combat. Right, and I kind of feel bad for asking for more systems in a game with this much content, but it does mm. seem kind of simple, right? Oh, um, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. know, man. It might just be one more thing they need to add to every single control scheme that they've had in the game, and it was just like, we can't add any more buttons, sir, which is that capacity. <laughs> like, just couldn't do it. Yeah, and, you know, like, being on this podcast and speaking to you about, like, making games, I think I do have a little bit more understanding of what goes on under the hood, so to speak. So, like, mm -hmm. when there are things like this not included in games, I can kind of imagine if there was crunch or, you know, investors trying to get this product onto the market and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's just... There's just a couple of things there they could have changed with the with the combat um, that, that really would have helped... And just, just quickly rounding off the, the criticism, um, just their inventory management is shite. Um, yeah, right. As, especially when it comes to, like, weapons and shields. Like, whenever you try to loot a chest with a full inventory, you do, like, the chest open animation. You get a text box telling you what the item is, and then you get a text box telling you that your inventory is full. And, oh, like, right. man, if I were to get a Zelda tattoo, it would definitely say your inventory is full because <laughs> you see this shit constantly. Uh, and, yeah. so, and so, like, 
to actually loot the chest, you've got to open your menu, scroll to the page with the relevant weapon type, select the weapon, drop it on the ground. Then you can loot the chest. So you go back, you do the animation, you see the text box uh. again. And it's just like, the fix here is just to bring up your weapons menu when you loot the chest, swap yeah, something yeah. out. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? And, yeah. and kind of like related to inventory management in that it uses the menu system is like doing multiple, like doing the same thing multiple times. Um, let's say you've got heaps of armor, right? You want to upgrade that shit at a fairy fountain. You select the armor piece. You click through two dialogue boxes. The animation starts. Although every fairy has a unique animation and it's honestly fucking sick. I found, <laughs> I found this like fairy in the desert yesterday and she like picked me up and like shoved me down her pants basically <laughs> yeah uh, the fairies are always super sexual in these games very <laughs> yeah yeah I, I thought that was pretty fun but anyway yeah, like yeah. once you've seen it once you've you know that like that's enough that's enough and so you skip yeah. that and then you get like a couple more dialogue boxes and then it takes you back to the armor selection screen and so there's like a bunch of armor in this game and most pieces can be upgraded four times and it's just yeah, like right. dude that's some animal crossing bullshit right oh, there. oh dude i was just about to say animal crossing i was gonna be like <laughs> hey this is nintendo and animal crossing all over again they've got like some weird fetish with like making users go through menus like fucking death stranding or something i don't know man like <laughs> totally. yeah dude yeah that was the one of the things that killed animal crossing for me was just like every single time you wanted to do something it was like a cute little animation play. It's like, yeah, hell yeah. Cute little animation the first few times. Love it. I want to be able to turn that off at a certain point. I'm, the, I'm an animator. Like, <laughs> I know someone slaved over those animations. I, heck, I've played games where I slaved over those animations and at a certain point you're just like, okay, I just want to, like, I want to speed this up now. Oh my God. There you have it, folks. There you have yeah. it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's definitely something that they need to work on and i it's just one of those things that make me feel like the developers didn't they didn't play their game a lot you know mm. like it's not a big gripe if you kind of just play this game for like 30 or 40 hours um like it's not something you come across much if at all but like when you start like falling in love and like getting all the armor and finding all the fairies it's like holy shit like yeah i'm spending minutes and minutes just in menus doing the exact same thing over and over again like that is yeah. that is definitely not a fun time it um, could be time spent scrounging <laughs> scrounging exactly um and so oh my god this is this is a rant <laughs> and a fucking half uh maybe right. we just skip the topic this week no. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have some news and it's actually your week to do the news too oh my god okay we well, just we'll skip the topic that would be so funny um yeah let's, let's do it let's do it oh my god all right so the final and much more forgivable forgivable criticism i have is like around the way some of the main content is delivered um mm. so like ultimately this is a children's game right um, and I can understand why Nintendo did these things, but they're inelegant as fuck. Like, when you arrive at a divine beast, the spirit of one of your friendos speaks to you, and they all say the same shit. They're like, you yep. need to access this terminal and then find five other terminals. And I kind of get it the first time, but after that, I just feel like you're throwing away the opportunity to have some, like, juicy dialogue. Um, yeah. That was one of the things that I, I really, like, loved some of those characters. And the mm. fact that I didn't get time to spend with them in those opportune moments where it was like, oh, this would be an ideal time to be like, 
Tell me more about yourself. <laughs> totally. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, you can access the beasts in any order. Um, but I just feel like maybe they could have had like the first beast you access act as the tutorial. Mm, um, yeah. And I, I like, well, I loved the cutscenes. I think the cutscenes in this game are beautiful. Um, I feel like the dialogue is some basic ass stuff sometimes, you know, like this is, this is Teletubbies, not the last airbender. Yeah. Um, and like, that's fine. You know, it's, it's a game made for children. It's not like Hollow Knight where they just made a game and it happened to be okay for children. Like all the themes around like insanity and depression and darkness will probably go over your head if you're eight, yeah, but you yeah. can just go and slap some bugs around. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, this is maybe not really a criticism, but what's the deal with every Zelda game using the same place and characters? Like, Link Between Worlds was my first Zelda, right, that I actually spent mm. decent time with, and all the towns and characters in that game are in this one. Like, is everyone just cool with that? And like, I don't know, man. It's the same as Pokemon. It's just the same right. every time. I think people are just cool with it i don't know i wish, I wish they would remix it <laughs> yeah I mean, like link between worlds had the dark realm or whatever low rule but it's still high rule but i don't know whatever yeah no like link between worlds definitely the the two worlds was really cool but like the you know like impa is zelda's manager or whatever in both mm. games like the music is same for some things like the fairy fountain music is the same yeah um, i think it's a nostalgia thing a little bit too yeah right okay um right well i mean that's uh, oh my god 45 minutes so that's 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 kind of <laughs> it that's kind of it like this this game is one of the best games i've ever played like after yeah, after all these years nintendo got the open world format right um mm. in an apocalyptic uh a- a- apocalyptic setting no less like yeah man it like it used all these concepts we're already familiar with like climbing towers to reveal the map um, but it built the systems and the world around them and it felt meaningful. Um, and like I said, it was like a game where I got most of my enjoyment from just having fun, you know, like a lot of the games I play, the enjoyment comes from like high difficulty challenges and they're like mm. well-designed. Um, but this shit was just straight up a fun time. Like, yeah, dude, for me right up there with Dark Souls and Holy Night, Hollow Knight, Holy Night. That's awesome. Holy Night. Uh, yeah, that's awesome, man. I'm, I'm glad you found a game like this that is not like, you know, extreme challenge the whole time or like mm. really pushes you or like to be patient with certain things. It's just like, oh, go run around, have a explorer of the green green light on the horizon. Check it out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, just quickly, one of the things that I was wondering if you would mention would be like, um, it's not risk versus reward, but it's sort of like risk versus reward. So like in... Elden Ring, there would be like a, a dungeon or whatever, and you know, it's a hard damn dungeon, and you get to the end and you get a piece of armor or you get a weapon, and it's kind of like it can be suited for your build and it cannot, and that's kind of like the inherent design problem with that game. Yeah. It's just yeah. like not not everything is like useful to you, despite the fact that it's like a re- supposed to be a reward. Yeah. Um, and in Zelda, did you feel like after, you know, was it more like the journey was the pleasurable part than the reward or like, you know, after climbing that big snowy mountain, did you get something cool? 
Yeah, yeah. So I thought the the um the rewards were handled really well, but way more simple than Elden mm. Ring. Um, so like, I mean, oh man, I, again, like I feel like I could talk about this game for fucking <laughs> that's, that's ever. Fine. I've uh, already resigned to the fact that this is the uh, Zelda episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Oh my god, I cannot believe how long I've talked. Like, I. <laughs> just was staring into space you know like the fugue yeah. state and then every now and again i looked at the time and i'm like oh my god <laughs> um, that's good you gotta get it out man you gotta oh, get it out I'm, I'm just i'm so chuffed that you enjoyed it man it's great it's great <laughs> um sorry what was your question again uh rewards oh rewards. the rewards so, yep like, yeah yeah so they were really good and like um it's it's also you know like sometimes i experience something when I'm, I'm playing a game like i'm like oh this this design feels right and then like i'll watch phoebe play it and i'll be like oh man i think i might have been wrong like this doesn't seem to carry across to everyone's experience but yeah. like you know when i played and when i was watching phoebe play like she'd climb a mountain up to this cooked shrine it'd be like a major test of strength she'd do this epic battle and then like in the chest was like this armor that helped her climb faster and we'd be like oh you know like it'd be like yeah. oh man that's so useful um and so yeah ev everything you do basically nets you an orb um yep. or it, it nets you something um long term like a, a piece of armor that that grants you like a specific ability so like yep. i didn't get too deep when i was talking about the game design stuff just because i feel like i could talk about it forever um <laughs> but the way they simplify what you require to get around the world is just amazing so like you know you can get cold you can get hot um yeah. you can catch on fire um you climb and like there, there's just all these items that help you do all of those things and so yeah. the progress in the game feels really well paced because the the first time you you climb a snowy mountain you probably don't have any armor so you're like, all right, I've got to go, I've got to go scrounging for like something that I can cook up that's going to give me the ability to survive in a snowy area for yep. like as long um, as I need to get to the top. And it, it's, you know, it, it's really fun in the beginning because like, you're like, all right, this gives me six minutes of like, you know, snow invulnerability or whatever. And it's, mm -hmm. like, really intense and you're, like, you know, fighting these monsters and there's just, like, another stressor there. Yeah, um, yeah. Whereas, like, as you progress and you, like, get the better armor through, like, challenges or finding secrets or, like, you know, sometimes you just discover a village that happens to sell really um, useful armor. And it's just, yeah. like, oh, man, like, now when I go up a snowy mountain, I can just equip armor. And it's, like... I don't know, that felt really satisfying because I just, I didn't have to worry about, like, the micromanagement of food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which is, like, you know, that's a really cool thing, all the all the food and the cooking. But, like, I love that they let you, you know, it's just, like, everything. They let you choose. Like, you yeah. could you could role play and be like, all right, you know, I do have that armor, but I'm going to pretend I'm just, like 
you know, I'm, I'm staying at the, at the inn in this village and like I'm on holiday and I'm just yeah. going to go off the beaten track, but I go too far and I don't realize it and yeah, I yeah. didn't bring the right clothes. So I'm going to use this food I've got, you know, like it's just, <laughs> it, it lets you play with your imagination so freely. It's yeah, it's a good fucking time. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I mean, even that in itself is quite graceful because it's like, um, initially food is the solution to a impossible, uh, or not an impossible, but a challenging route. Mm. And then the reward to the challenging route or the reward, the reward from doing the challenging route is something that helps you negate the use of food. Right. Uh, yeah. But food isn't cut off and it's still useful for other challenging routes. You know, like that's a, that's pretty genius stuff right there. Yeah, totally. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's that last of us gameplay loop. Like when you experience being in the cold and not having the right food, you're immediately like, Oh, scrounging isn't just like relaxing and, and, and fun maybe but it's actually useful you know i'm gonna yeah. pay i'm gonna pay more attention when i walk past those mus mushrooms next time like i'm not just gonna sprint around looking for the main quest yeah yeah yes very good stuff my dude i'm glad you enjoyed it and i'm glad you played it twice that's wild to me and <laughs> i'm sure you'll probably play it again and when the new one comes up maybe you'll be excited for it oh, Who knows? oh my god yeah that's that's an interesting dilemma isn't it um, yeah man holy shit is that really this whole episode is that what we're doing oh my god <laughs> I, I have a couple little bag chips to throw in at the end light-hearted bag chips um, okay i mean yeah like yeah i've got like i've got a lot of news honestly yeah yeah holy shit. oh god okay why don't why don't you talk for a bit and then <laughs> and then if you we, maybe we just try this again next week <laughs> and we just like skip this can be the anomaly in the, in the system, you know, every, yeah. every system needs one. Yeah, I'm, I'm um, with it. I'm for it. All right. All right. So I've got three little bits of news. Uh, actually, I've kind of already mentioned one, the GCAP, oh, it's not the GCAP, the Games Week stuff. I got to see some footage from a game called First on Mars. Oh, yeah. Um, have you seen that game before? Uh, no, I've, I've not heard of it. So it's like a kind of tune-shaded Mars exploration slash delivery game where you have to build these little uh, contraptions it's very physics based so you know like you put wheels on a chassis and then a little grabby hand build it it's sort of like duplo or lego i guess and you build these little cars to navigate the surface of mars and deliver packages oh that sounds cool yeah it sounds amazing it looks beautiful it's made by an incredible designer in melbourne called ian mcclarty and he's just a freaking genius he showed, he, he did this tweet the other day that showed like how you can save the design of your you know vehicle essentially to a png like a png image file and share it anywhere and people can download that into the game and have oh that's sick it's incredible i was like how did you manage like it's basically taking the transparency pixels from the png and using that to generate pieces that it uses to build the <laughs> the vehicles in the game like wow holy moly like how how do you think of something like that it's next next level anyway man dude that's like isn't that kind of similar to that technology we talked about in the crypto games episode where you know the attraction of the metaverse is like the ability to like save assets across games like yeah i feel like kind of. <laughs> that's a big piece of the puzzle right if you can like share something on the internet and scan it into a game and yeah. there it is like and it's made by one person that's fucking incredible 
Yeah, yeah. Well, they they recently got uh, an artist called Colonica to join the team, and they're fant doing fantastic work as well with all of the animations and art and stuff. And it's added this extra layer of personality. But yes, the PNG share thing is sort of similar to the crypto stuff, I guess, except the fact that it's just one game, not across multiple games. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah but, um, that's true. Yeah, I, I I get the sentiment though. It is exciting technology in that fact with the PNG thing, where it's like this is so unique and just out of the box. You know, it's it's so mm. um, so cool. Yeah. Anyway, also um, PNG files are fucking tiny. Yeah, that's, they're tiny. That's yeah. that's very cool. So any any hint as to when we might see that that um, game release? Well, if you're at PAX, I think you can play the demo this weekend. Oh, uh, cool. I'm not sure about a release date though. I, they didn't mention. Um, but it looks pretty feature complete. I think it's probably just going to be like designing quests and stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, the talk they did was actually really cool. They spoke about the, like how they came up with the beginning of the game and the design of the game and, you know, putting together the art style. But it, the presentation was them on Mars driving around towards all of these different like screens that they'd positioned in the world. Right. And the screens had like pictures and slideshows of stuff that they were talking about. So they were just oh. like drive around showing the game off but also talking about how the game was made oh my god it's it was very special to me fuck that sounds awesome yeah yeah very cool stuff and then i got to see some footage of a game called frog detective 3 grace brooksner from melbourne uh frog detective is kind of like a much love indie darling <laughs> melbourne death game uh, <laughs> cool it, yeah it's yeah grace is doing really cool stuff um and uh yeah that, that that's kind of like the, the wholesome news then we saw a trailer for mario movie yesterday oh yeah have you seen this trailer uh i have not so this trailer has mario voiced by um chris pratt right <laughs> and and bowser uh who voices Bowser? Oh, it's jack, Wasn't black. It jack black yeah. yeah 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 and then like donkey kong is like uh oh, i'm being my my brain's failing me right <laughs> Uh, oh, is that like a uh, Rogan? Uh, Seth, Seth Rogan? Seth, Seth, Seth Rogan, I think. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The guy who laughs like, <laughs> that guy. <laughs> um, yeah, that's Seth Rogan. <laughs> yeah, that's Seth Rogan. Okay, good, good, oh good. my God. Um, and the trailer actually looks really cool. I was very impressed with a lot of the stuff they were showing. I thought Mario looked a little weird to me, like compared to all of the other characters. Like Bowser looked amazing. Well, Coopers and they had penguins in there and they all looked great. Um, Sick. And yeah, Illumination, obviously, they're the Minions team. They do fantastic animation. Ah. Even if Minions isn't for you, uh, Minions isn't for me either, but they're just, you know, beautiful, beautifully animated stuff. Yep, yep. Um, they also do other movies too, of course, but Minions being what it is. Yep, yep. Uh, and uh, yeah, it looks really cool. But yeah, Mario looks kind of chunky in, in weird ways. I think his, his hands have five fingers. I don't know if Mario's always had five fingers on each hand, but uh, for some reason I thought he had four like simpsons yeah you know that's an interesting question i honestly couldn't tell you i'd have um, to go and look at an image but anyway yeah so like i mean uh video game animated movies any different from their live action counterparts yeah i think we're about to find out dude <laughs> uh, i have a feeling it's gonna be pretty bad right but uh just from this little glimpse it, it, it looks like they actually really do care about it i mean we had the sonic movie but that was live action uh, so yeah. the sonic movie is probably one of the most forgivable instances of, of video game movies uh i think it's fine it's nothing right to write home about but it's not like egregious you know it's not like an mm. assassin's creed or whatever or doom oh my god um, i watched that assassin's creed movie on a plane because it has Fassbender 
And like yeah. Fassbender is a pretty great actor. Um, yeah. but fuck yeah. It's just, it's just really boring. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know. It's like, yeah. I mean, we did do a whole episode on this, but it is fascinating that like no one can get it right. Um, yeah. I know, I know there's like a Bioshock movie or TV series in development at the moment that Netflix has bought. Um, mm. and like that, you know, this is a project that's kind of been picked up and, and put down, put down heaps. Like it was picked yeah. up by Del Toro at one point. Oh my God. Um, and like apparently some of the set design that was done for Del Toro's Bioshock was actually used in his film Shape of Water. Um, oh wow. So oh, that like, checks out. Yeah. So like they, you know, this wasn't just a, you know, he picked it up, signed on based on the script. Like, the work was done. Um, yeah. And it was still, it was still left behind. So, like, mm-hmm. yeah, it kind of feels a little bit doomed at this point. Yeah, totally. Uh, we had the Halo TV show, which apparently wasn't great, but people watched and enjoyed some some folks, I guess. I don't know. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, I'll probably go see it just because it's uh, an anomaly and... Um, looks fun and has nice animation yeah uh but yeah uh and then the final piece of news that i have here is uh the artist kim jung gi uh passed away earlier in the week and uh he's a fantastic artist concept artist he does these um like mind-blowing from memory basic he doesn't use reference or anything special like anything like that it's like uh straight from the tip of the pen into the image it's hard to explain without showing you a video of him drawing but imagine like a 3d printer or a printer sorry the way a printer does a painting of a face it just sort of like scans through it he sort of does it like that like more human like wow so like kind of line by line from top to bottom yeah but not from top to bottom it's more like he just sort of starts anywhere on a figure and just draws it without having to like erase or like have any foundation lines he just draws and it, wow. it's in- and he does these really detailed like highly uh challenging perspective warping um maison scene style images where there's like you know a girl half nude in the foreground getting a tattoo by like a tattoo artist and there's like all these people sitting around watching and jeering on and it's just like kind of grotesque in parts but it's also kind of beautiful and mm-hmm. um yeah he, he's a just a force to be reckoned with and he passed away in the, earlier in the week which is very sad um but this person did this tweet uh <laughs> and i hate that this is the last part piece of news maybe you've got a piece of wholesome news to end us on but um this person did this tweet saying i'm just going to read the tweet verbatim uh-huh. Uh-huh. and this is ai related mm-hmm. uh so he, he says hi exclamation point I just trained a model to draw in the style of the late Kim Jung-gi as, uh, as an homage. I'm fairly happy with the results, given how complicated is his style. Full stop. Hope you like it. Feel free to use it by yourself. Brackets. Credit, please. Close brackets. And then a link to the, you know, the, the stable diffusion model that you can use to replicate Kim Jung-gi's style. Oh. And then he posted some images of Kim, of the, uh, you know, the images that the AI has spat out in in the style of Kim Jung Gi, and, and they're and, horrendous. You know, they're nothing oh, like Kim okay. Jung Gi. Oh, thank God, you had me on the edge of my seat there. Honestly, I was like, I mean, oh God, it, that that would just be such a, a shit way yeah. 
to kind of have your legacy treated the week well, of your death like that. It still is a shit way to have your legacy treated. <laughs> yeah, but, but at, at, yeah, least at least it's, it's, not, it's, it's you know, it's not going to be lasting in any way. Like, hopefully the whole world forgets about that tweet in a week, you know? It's not I, like the AI yeah. they produced actually does a fantastic job and, like, the original works are slowly kind of eaten up by all the AI-produced stuff. Yeah, that's kind of the worst scenario. So yeah, the the images that like so uh, Kim Jong Il's uh, uh, drawings are like I mentioned really highly detailed and mm. perspective warp warping and the the um, technical proficiency on display is just like everything is so to life and real feeling in all of mm. the images. Yeah, and they're all black and white pen drawings. Like it's not like he uses vast amounts of color in any instances, though he does know how to use color. Wow. Um, but most of the work that you see of his is all black and white pen ink. Wow. Uh, and it's just beautiful but yeah the, the uh, images that it spat out are just like these you know they're like ai the, the hands are all wacky the proportions are all wrong the perspective is fucked it's just like copy paste people scattered around it has the same kind of chaotic energy that kim jong-gi puts out but it's just it's just perverted in this really gross you know the whole purpose of kim jong-gi's work is like twisted here and it's mm. just like to put to put his name on it and say here's a homage and that's created by a machine using his work the week of his death mm. is just like so ghoulish to me that I just, I, I felt sick. I've, I've, I've quite, you know, I was quite sad to hear of his death. And when I saw mm. this, I was like, we've strayed so far from the light, my dude. Like, <laughs> this is so next level disgusting to me. Um, anyway, do you have any good news? <laughs> oh man, I've got a lot of news Please. and a lot, and it's all pretty dark to be honest. So, no! like, so maybe maybe we put a pin in it okay. we, we basically do this episode again next week you know yes. you, you do the copy the the topic i do the news you know okay. we just yep, sounds good we just leave this as the anomaly in the, in the system man that is that is really um uh i don't know what word to use but like it's it's a unique situation right to, mm. to have ai get to a point where like it's starting to replicate what we really value in individuals and mm. like what you were just talking about reminded me of like some some um news that came out of hollywood this week that was um bruce willis basically uh signing off with the company to use he, like to basically create a digital version of him to use in oh, movies after he dies yeah, yeah. and it's like it's kind of a similar situation right i mean when when you go to like an action movie in the cinema with bruce willis in it like you're definitely paying to see like some of the nuance he can bring to the role and like mm. his charisma and attitude and it's just i mean let's say cgi does get to the point where it's realistic um, you know, what, what are going to be the parallels there for artists? Like what if you're an artist on your deathbed and you decide that you want your legacy to be your style rather than specific works? Like, do yeah. you then just say, I condone this specific company to produce an AI that, you know, is able to produce artworks in my style like i don't i don't have any of the answers or anything like that but it's yeah yeah it's an interesting idea yeah 
Yeah, I, I think the problem in this instance, and I'm sure you'd realize this as well, but I'm, I think the problem in this instance is like with the stable diffusion model being completely open source is that anyone can go and create their own Junji, uh, sorry, uh, Kim Junji uh, style yeah. replicator. Yeah. And just create whatever they like with it. Yeah, no, and, that's, uh, I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's basically like pirating their style, you know, yeah, there's, there's no yeah. consent here and there's, you know, no, um, honor for lack of yeah. a better word, no respect. The way that I, I quote tweeted and said, this is, uh, imagine showing up to a funeral, tying strings to the deceased limbs and parading them around, mimicking the stuff they used to do, but extremely poorly. <laughs> like, that was the that like that's kind of what you're doing here but maybe yeah. even a little bit worse because it's yeah. just like now everyone can do that you know everyone gets a chance to have a play with the puppet at the funeral it's like mm. fuck off dude mm. no one like just this is the worst possible time and it's so ghoulish and he hasn't backed down and i just can't handle uh can't handle where we're at right now with this whole ai thing mm. <laughs> it's, it's really throwing me for a throwing me for a loop it needs some some form of regulation mm. Yeah, well, you know, this is this is just the beginning. So yeah, I know. Oh, we're seeing like heaps of um, well, not heaps, but it's animation AI has been popping up a bit recently. So Meta, Facebook company, uh, released their um, text to animation prompt stuff. Oh no! So you say like you know a, a bear riding a unicycle down the street at night, and it like gives you a video of a bear, you know, a short video of a bear riding a unicycle down the street at night. That's uh. I mean, it's pretty ugly right now, but just, you know, how quickly the image AI moved, it was like two weeks and we went from stuff being really ugly to being really Im impressive, mm. quote unquote, I guess, uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. In, in a way, in a ghoulish way. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of just like watching this space a little bit to be like, oh, animation. I, I don't think it's, in, a, in the case of animation, it's definitely not taking any, any jobs, mm. uh, in my opinion yeah because output especially for games need to be needs to be very specific yeah uh, yeah maybe in vfx it might do some of the early ideation stuff uh mm -hmm. but it still is like it, it doesn't slot into any pipelines is the problem it's not mm. like you can output joints or cloth simulation data or anything you know technical about these images image sequences it's just like there's an image sequence now you got it there you go i guess right like, yeah it's not useful for for the, like any greater context of a movie yeah 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 so i think it's for now things are kind of safe but who knows man what the future holds oh my god and on that note <laughs> <laughs> and on that really encouraging note i want to have a happy thing to end the episode on but i got i got nothing i'm gonna go walk the dog that's pretty happy yeah that's gonna be sick is it yeah. um has it stopped storming there it has it's beautiful outside yeah fantastic so go and get some outside good. air yeah, yeah. Uh, look, we're, we're, we're going to end it there. I hope the Zelda rant was enjoyable. <laughs> like, did not. <laughs> I loved it. Oh, I'm glad you liked it. I did not expect it to go. It's like it's like twice as long as the God of War rant. Like, I, I <laughs> feel like it's two episodes long. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, dude! Anyway, if, I mean, if a game comes out that we both play and both want to have a rant about, then it oh, might end up being two episodes. Long. It's game over. It's game over. Yeah. Yeah. that's the final two episodes of the podcast <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh well we'll get to uh the mystery that was our intended topic next week mm. uh and mm. we'll, we'll talk about it then uh but until then we hope you have a really lovely weekend 
and we'll see you next time it's almost the weekend again uh, goodbye bye